Hello, hello. Is that better? All right. I thought for a moment I was, I was doing all that because I didn't have dinner yet. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. It's, a, it's an honor. It's a, um, to receive the call from Pastor Duane and, and, and he asked me if I could share something and I said uh, that would be awesome it will, I'll count it as a, as a privilege and he said uh, let me see what I said uh, any particular topic or, or scripture that you want me to address to the congregation he said yeah let me see he said uh, Romans and I said uh, Romans uh, certain part in Romans is no the whole book so we're going to be here. Um, I hope you brought dinner and sleepings and all that because we're going to be here at least eight, eight hours for the first chapter. Well, <laughs> really, um, Romans, my head is hurting so much reading that I'm not a good reader, but oh, so much, so much in the book of Romans. Um, I'm from Bolivia, South America. Uh, I look like a Mexican, but I'm not. <laughs> Even Mexicans ask me, from what part of Mexico are you? And I tell him, south, very south. <laughs> so, and uh, Bolivia is, is a country with uh, such a diversity and culture. And um, we have at least three very distinctive groups in Bolivia uh, the Kambas, which are the, the cities and the people from the lowlands, the Amazon and, and, the, and the lowlands in there. It's hot, it's tropical, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it's amazing. It's people there are also very warm and they just love you and all that. And it's so easy to, to live with them. And then we have the people from uh, the west part of the country, the highlands. People very rustic, very people that they have been slaves for hundreds of years, and they hate the the white man per, per se, and uh, because of the history, and um, and then we have the Chapacos. The Chapacos are the lazy ones of the country. They talk a little bit like this, if you know what I mean, you know. And uh, really, really, they won't make you sleep when they talk. Um, but these three groups of people in Bolivia have been always at it for so many years, hundreds of years. And I remember the first time that somebody had the stupendous idea to say why we do not have a service that gathered the whole church. The whole church. What do you mean the whole church? I mean, yeah, the whole church in the city. What you mean, uh, Baptists also? Yes. Pentecostal, by all means. Presbyterians, Methodists, and all of those. Yes. You know what? I think... You are into something. And they started to work. And they declared, they, they, they 
send uh, all kinds of publicity in the radios, TV, and uh, as much as they could do it. And they got together the long time ago in the Coliseum. Three, four, six thousand people gathered there. And for the first time in a, such a long time, the whole church of the Lord could sing. And that time it was, celebrate Jesus, celebrate. It's that old. How, whenever they got together, right? Yeah, I mean, no, before the 80s something. But after that, they, they had such a, such an impact in the, in, the, in, in the city that they started to do it every year. From, this, uh, from the Coliseum, they had to move to, to the stadium. 15,000 people. It was 5.30 in the morning in the stadium. And they started to sing one more time. The same songs last year plus others. Next year, they did it again in a soccer stadium and there were 25,000 people. Then the next year, they did it for uh, in 35,000 people, the whole stadium. And then the next year, there wasn't a room to do it in that stadium. It was like a, close to 50,000 people. And the stadium is just has a capacity to 45,000 people. What this do, and this did uh, and the, whole, the impact on the whole city. Before this canvas, collas, and chapacos that were all the time butting heads, even in the church. You could see people in the, in the transport, uh, public transportation, and, and there you have to stand up because there Sundays, a lot of people. And you can see that one for sure is, is Colla, right? It's from the highlands. And you can see. How you doing? I bless you. I bless you too. Going to church? Yes. Oh, I'm going here. Okay. God bless you. See you later. And a lot of people. You can see more and more and more. The people united in the city. In the city started to be blessed by the Lord. And it became a city so prosperous. Not because... God is interested in prospering you, but it's because how this, uh, the gospel makes you live in peace. So, whenever I was studying for, the, for, for tonight, I, I discovered, I read that Romans, it's all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel, the word gospel in, well, our translation, uh, English gospel, comes from a Greek word. It's called evangelium, which means the good news. It's the good news. It's the good news of a almighty, sovereign, controlling the whole universe, God. Holy, holy, holy. Looking at depraved sinners. 
like you and me. In loving us. And in his infinite wisdom, he already prepared a plan to make a way between you and me. And between you and him, actually. (laughs) It's like I'm talking from the side of God. Between you and him, the gospel. And this, can you imagine this? This God, our God, sent his son. And then, I know it's from Romans, but in Philippians says that he took his glory away. Put it on the throne. I'm, I'm just imagining that, speculating, right? He went down the stairs of heaven. And all silent night, he humbled himself, being born that night. And from there on, it was a constant sacrifice. A constant humiliation. And the Bible says, and he obeyed until the death, in a death of a cross. The gospel is the good news. Even though it gets to you for free, it costs everything to our Father in heaven. Because whenever he was on the cross, he had to judge the sin of the whole world. Present, past, and future on the cross. And Jesus was on the cross and he crushed his own son for you and for me. And that is the gospel. The opportunity to have peace with God. So let me read the first 17 verses of Romans. In in here, in this uh, introduction, this is the longest introduction of any letter that Paul has written to any uh, church. Normally Paul will write churches, uh, will write to churches because they... He has to correct a, a, a specific problem. But it's not, the, it's not the case in here because Roman is a, is a church that he has not visited, he has not known so far, and he has not um, planted. The church just was there whenever he took interest in there. And Paul was thinking, I want to take this gospel, this good news, to the ends of the earth. And his plan was based, put his base in Rome and go to Spain from there. Paul was consumed by the gospel. Every move he made, he made it because of the gospel. Because he wanted to... He covered every person walking on the streets for Christ. Another one for Christ. I want another one for Christ. My friends for Christ. The philosophers for Christ. The slaves for Christ. The rich, the poor, the black, the white, the big, the dog. Everybody for Christ. And Paul was consumed by this gospel. So here says in Romans chapter 1. Paul He calls himself a servant of Christ Jesus. Called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Which he promised beforehand throughout his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son. 
who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all of those in Dorisville Baptist Church who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness who whom I serve with my, within my, or with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may know at last succeeded, succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks And to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. In in the last in in the next two verses, Paul will set the whole theme of this letter to the Romans. Actually, it's an epistle. And he says in here, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans has 16 chapters, 443 verses. Romans is rightly regarded as the most comprehensive and systematic summary of Christian doctrine anywhere in the scripture. It is the Bible's own systematic theology, a summary of saving doctrines that serves as a Bible within the Bible. Like the other New Testament epistles, Romans was written by one of the apostles, in this, in this case Paul, to Rome. And in this case, though it was a church the apostle has not yet visited in person, so rather than addressing his own pastoral concerns about the church, because that's what normally Paul does, or answering specific questions that had arisen in the course of a partnership and ministry, Paul instead introduces himself to the Romans by offering a full statement of his understanding of sin and salvation in Christ. Although the interpersonal context is evident from the opening, greeting, and closing remarks, the main body of the letter is sustained doctrinal argument that is directly relevant to any person, at any time, any place. 
even Bolivians. The universality of the book is highlighted by its theological scope. Romans addresses the, the plight of every guilty sinner in the whole human race, whether Jew or Gentile, laying out the whole plan of salvation for eternity past to eternity future. One thing that Paul doesn't do in this uh, ep- epistle is that he doesn't go into great details about explaining who Jesus is. He assumes they know already, so he doesn't explain very much who Jesus is. He doesn't also, he doesn't cover as well, uh, future, uh, how we will be transformed. Uh, like, for example, in Corinthians, he explains how we'll be transformed. He doesn't go there also. What he wants you to understand and me to understand is that I am not ashamed of the power of, of the gospel because it's what? What is it? It's power. Now, this word power, I, I looked at it um, in, in a website called biblos.com, which I, I love that. Uh, and, and you can get Greek and Hebrew interlinear and explanation. And so I went in there and I wanted to see what, the, what, what about the word power, the power of God. And I click in there and it says, power is the word dunamis. From where we get the word dynamite. That's the power of God. When dynamite takes, uh, when dynamite explodes, nothing stays the same, right? At least around where it was, the explosion was. So the power of God changes everything that, that, that comes in contact with the, the with, with that power. I was, um, looking for a bed for my kid because um, he just broke his bed. Um, I have four boys. You have to understand that. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> they just broke, uh, one, one of them broke his bed. Um, so I was looking for, for a bed and, and the lady showed me a room where they were used um, uh, furniture. And there was not a bed in there, but it was interesting what I found out that there was a, 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 a seat, uh, chair in there, um, nicely, with, with all of the, very soft and all that, right? The, the front part was okay, but the back part was totally faded, almost white. And, uh, and she was explaining that this chair was exposed. It was right by the window where the light came and all the details of all the, the, the colors and everything, what they, it was fading away, right? And I thought immediately, man, that's the power of the gospel in my life. Whenever I'm exposed to the sun, all the details of my sin and all my life all my, everything that I've been, uh, been struggling with, little by little, is fading away. And only the reflection of the sun stays in there. And that is the power of the gospel. And it, this has been such a blessing to me. Because Romans is a brilliant exposition of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how does this gospel look 
with hands and feet, not only at a personal level, you and me, but at a group level, it, this is to say His church. And church, believe me, you, Doorsville Baptist Church, have, have a fame of a very um, dynamic church, in a loving church, in a, in a church that cares for the people uh, uh, here in town. And I want you to keep that fame. And I want you to live up to that. Not only inside of here. Not only when you have activities. But, but whenever you are at home. Whenever you are driving your car and somebody passes you. Uh, whenever. I mean all kinds of stuff right. Whenever uh, you ask about the dress code. And they tell you suit and tie. Right. <laughs> Thank you David Higgs. <laughs> I wanted to come in jeans today. Anyways, but the ultimate goal of the gospel in your life as a person and as a church, listen to this, it's very important. The ultimate goal for the gospel saving power is to bring glory to God. All the time. If we can change the mentality of of my rights, my, my things, and, and, and I want to do this for, to feel more comfortable in my retirement and I'm in my business and all that. If you can change all of that mentality to say, I will bring the glory to God in everything I think, everything I see, everything I say, everything I do, everywhere I go. If you can change that, you will live amazing lives. That's why Paul could say, I don't care about myself. I care about bringing Jesus to every person that I come in contact with. Hi, my name is Paul. Can I talk to you for a minute? He will find any excuse to befriend a person because he coveted that person for Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you, my Savior. So, the divisions are very simple in this letter. Chapters 1 through 11. It's all doctrinal. The amazing head of Paul. Uh, taking, uh, trying to make sense of how God. From the beginning of the, the. He doesn't have a beginning. But he thought about this. The plan of salvation. The creation, salvation and restoration. And bringing everybody towards him. The doctrine of the salvation of God is, is chapter 1 through 11. And he uses uh, several uh, people, like Abraham, for example, to bring, uh, to help us understand how a person is justified just by faith. So, chapters 1 through 11, Paul gives us the doctrine of the gospel. In chapters 12 to 16, Paul shows us how the gospel affects us. How you and me being, a, being exposed to the sun will fade away to just reflect the sun. So, let's go and uh, do this. Uh, chapter 1. Um, all men are without excuse because they have the testimony of creation. That's basically a, summarized, uh, sum a summarization of chapter 1. In uh, verse... 22, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became 
futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were uh, darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust, or lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among their, themselves. And he is, expresses the whole deprivation of men right there. You know what? I don't know. I, I, I hear all the time this on TV. Uh, God has not lost faith in you. Or, you know, is that true? That God has not lost faith in us? That sounds pretty good, but it's to- a total lie. Right? There's nothing in us that wants to look for God. And it's, it's, it's worse. If it was for you and me, we will turn our backs to God. Actually, first curse Him and spit on His face, turn our back and just walk away directly to hell. That is the point of chapter 1. We are depraved. And, and just application in here, you know why even Christians' hearts get hardened and, and they don't feel anything anymore after being 50 years active in church or even whenever they go through things? If it, it, Check uh, verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did two things. They did not honor Him as God. Be careful with always honoring God as God in your life. Recognizing uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your what? And then what? And lean not in your own understanding. Verse 6 says, Recognize Him in all your ways. Give Him the honor. Oh, you did good tonight. No, the Lord did good tonight, right? I've been blessed by, by David's ministry right now. I couldn't sing for a while there because when my mom had this age where I'm going through, I didn't understand her at all. How can my mom couldn't sing? And she had a pretty good voice. And she only could bawl. And this is what is happening to me now. I cannot sing half of the songs that I hear. Because it's like God is reminding me, I did this for you. I, I went to, to the death of, you were in sin. And I put my hand in there through my son Jesus and I did this for you. You are the God who saves us. This says the song. What a beautiful, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. How not to, whenever we were in our sins and trespasses and he made us as his son. Here says in verse And they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. You know what? We live in a a culture that we work hard. And we earn our things. We look for 20 years of service and then, uh, what is this? uh, Whenever you go and can enjoy your 
Thank you. <laughs> we earn our things. And at some point, instead of, we change this sense of stewardship of the things that we have and have earned thanks to God and change it for ownership. It's mine. And we forget to give thanks to God. And it's my house and they are, those are my cars and, and, and this is my church and this is my program and this is my baby and, and that is not like that. So be careful. Application number one. Recognize God in all times like it says in here because when you don't do it then your heart will get hardened. And in second place give Him thanks always. Chapter 2. All men are without excuse because they have knowledge of good and evil. Therefore you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. We know what is right and wrong. And we prefer evil. Chapter 3. Israelites are without excuse because they have the oracles of God declaring the righteousness of God. In other words, the law doesn't save us. The knowledge of the law is good, but it only, only gives us the knowledge of what sin is. So, in chapter 4, in chapter 4, we have... The example of Abraham, the righteousness of faith is revealed and found by men. In Abraham, he didn't have to do absolutely anything. You know what? As, as a man, as a, as a person that loves to do things to, to justify uh, what we earn, right? It's difficult to understand. I was a Catholic. How many Catholics were, were in here? I'm the only one that was Catholic. Good. <laughs> Growing up Catholic, I was ingrained in my, my brain that I had to work hard for my salvation. There are seven pillars of the Catholic faith. First, you are baptized. Secondly, you are Confirm in your faith. Then you take the, what is that thing? Communion, Holy Communion. Uh, what? Eucharist, thank you. And, the, and the, the other one is then you uh, go to Mass. Every Sunday you have to go to Mass. And then you have to get married. And then, uh, I said seven, right? Well, the last one is the, the what? A confession, thank you. And the last one is when you're about to die, the, the priest comes and tells you that your last rites. I don't know what, why, but anyways. And then you say, so I'm going to heaven. He says, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so imagine, imagine the pressure that you have not knowing that even if you do all of those things, am I going to heaven? I don't know. That's why there's purgatory. Dude, you know. And, well, 
So I have to earn my salvation. That, that's a normal human thing. But with God, no. It's just through faith. Chapter 5. Men are justified only on the principles of faith. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You don't have to do absolutely anything. Man, that was hard for me as a Catholic to understand. I couldn't understand that. But I wanted to know God. Chapter 6. Join to Christ in his dead we die to sin and should no longer walk according to its uh, dictates. See the first verse of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might, may abound? Yes, whenever the sin is much, is greater the amount of grace, right? And Paul knows this firsthand because he was a persecutor of the church. He was a killer of the brethren. He says, I'm the chief what? Yeah, he calls himself the chief sinner. And there was grace for this chief sinner as well. So, now, we cannot stay there. God will take you like you are, but he will, he will not keep you there. He will move you. Chapter 7. This is so cool. Have you ever done this? <laughs> one of your friends is, is after you to beat you up. At least, uh, that's one of my stories. <laughs> you find your dad and you behind your dad, right? And you're protected. And your dad is like, what's up? And the little kid just can look at you and, <laughs> and walk away. In Christ, it's Christ, the one that stands between condemnation, between the blow of our sin, between the, uh, all the consequences of what I've done. And I don't have to do anything to offend God. I am a sinner because I was born a sinner. And uh, by death, I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I paid the whole law. And God accepts me as I am. Amazing, right? Chapter 8. In Jesus Christ, we are outside the bounds of condemnation and on the grounds of peace with God. What a beautiful thought is that. In the name of peace, we have so many, so many weapons. <laughs> right? I was listening to, your, to the song that the choir was practicing. And it was, uh, whenever he said... Uh, let's sing about the, the, song of the, the song of the church. Let the church rise. And I was getting super excited whenever it says, let's, what is it? it, it no, no, before that, let's stand up and move the gates of hell. Let us rise and move the gates of hell. That's what Jesus did to, to begin with us, right? In, in chapter uh, 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> that is so good to hear. But I've done this. There's no condemnation. You are wearing the coat of Jesus Christ, and therefore there is no condemnation for you. But, but I'm embarrassed of what I've done. I've done... This kind of sins and that kind of sins. And that. There's no condemnation. You are wearing the coat of Jesus Christ. 
And whenever Jesus sees you, he just sees, whenever the Father sees you, he just sees his own son. Israel, chapter 9, Israel, God's earthly people, is vastly different from a spiritual Israel, the company of redeemed, separated unto God in Christ. Chapter 9 is dealing with the people of Israel. Yep. God will deal with you later. Right now is the church time. Isn't that amazing? That sometimes we think that I blew it, Lord. I really blew it like Israel did. I don't think that there is any other opportunity for me. But God says then, I will deal with you later. Right now, it's time for restoration. I don't know where you are in your walk as a Christian. But if you think you, you're done, believe me, God will use you. If you, th- if you think you blew it, believe me, God will use you. If you're not then, if you're not dead, then you're not done. You know that? If you're not dead, then you're not done with God. I, I want to tell you this. doesn't matter how old you are. You have the power of the gospel in you. The dynamis, the dynamite power of the gospel in you. Chapter 10, Christ is the total source of our lives. Chapter 11, God is not through with Israel and will return to dealing with them ultimately to his glory. In chapter 12 to 16 is what we have to do to become the hands and feet of the gospel. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, in your, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And it called my attention this verse. We know 12, 1, uh, 12, 1 and 2, right? Renew your mind through the understanding. For the lack of knowledge, your heart will die. Whenever you don't seek God to, through here. Because of, there is no hunger of the things of God. Your heart will die and you will just perish in there. But anyways, verse 3, call my attention. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly. And you know what? Interesting. We live in a culture in here. Where you have a beautiful church, beautiful building. You have a, you by far, you have the biggest building in, in town, I guess. And you serve well to the community. But sometimes be, uh, belong, uh, belonging to a church or going to a church can give us a, a, a little bit of, I go to Doris the Baptist Church, where do you go? You know, or we can see others that 
that don't go to church even. And we call them the users. So we can call them, oh, I know that person. That person will never come to Christ. Do not think of yourself more highly. Because Paul couldn't wait to seek that person for Christ. And if he was for him, he will tell him one, two, three, thirty, fifty, a hundred times just to see if God will say, okay, this is the time where he will believe. Sometimes I, I think maybe because of your faithfulness more than, I don't know, it's just the amazing plan of God that no one perishes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, whosoever believes in him. So, from 13, the believer's relationship to the world uh, authorities. and it's, it's a, Chapter 13 is dealing with how we should behave with the world. Uh, obey the laws until the laws contradict your beliefs in Christ. Right? Whenever that point comes, you say... Here's where I draw the line. I will follow my beliefs. Like Paul and John, I know, like, like Peter and John against, uh, with the Sanhedrin there. You see, you do what you have to do, guys. We will do what we, we have, what we have to do. Chapter 14. They are weak. You are strong. Please, would you come and pick up the weak? Carry him. I will be with you, my brother, my sister. Don't worry. I know you stink. Yes, you do. But I will be with you. You know, I know you are... You know, and we deal. We, it's like... How many of you have been like a changing diaper sometimes like this? Have you? One of my kids, I will not say who. He was too old to wear even diapers. <laughs> and he went to the bathroom in his diapers. And I was in charge of doing that business, right? So I, try, I, I tried to change him. And, and almost I puke, honestly. I said, Carla, you deal with this. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. And as a Christian, you that are stronger, come to the weak, change his diaper, carry him. Because God has a plan for this, uh, for this person, right? Everybody is useful in the, in the parking lot of God. There are no, uh, what is this, the special parking lots for? Thank you. There are no handicaps uh, parking lots in the parking lot of God. Everybody is useful. You are. It doesn't matter if you're 90 or you are 9. It doesn't matter. Everybody can serve in the body of Christ. Chapter 15. He says unity of the spirit to the glory of God in chapter 16. I want to. I know we are going in too, too close. Uh, too too uh, fast. But I wanted to finish here. Chapter 16 verse 25 to 27. That was my introduction now to the message. Verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel, in the preaching of Jesus Christ, 
according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. My point in here, we have seen certain applications. Application number one, chapter one is... Always recognize God in your path. Application number one. Application number two. Always be thankful to God because He, everything provides, comes from Him. Amen? Application number three. Deal with the weak. These are just the applications that are coming up to my heart right now. Uh, deal with the weak. We have so many poor people around us here. You know what? Covet their lives for Jesus Christ. Right? We like beauty and we like uh, good things, and some people don't fit that bill. You know, but Jesus Christ died for them as well. So let's go and find them. And uh, I love this last part doxology. The doxology is the exaltation, glorification of God. Uh, John Piper, uh, whenever we, we were in T4G, he preached about. How a doxology works, right? And for him, uh, f- uh, verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, how? According to the gospel. Or to my gospel, says. Uh, not only God will strengthen you by the preaching, or by the by the gospel in itself, but also by the preaching of Jesus Christ. Do you know that your life becomes stronger and stronger when you are preaching the gospel? You are talking about Jesus Christ. People will call you, that's a fanatic dude right there. Let him. And you know what? According to the revelation of the mystery... Isn't that cool whenever you find out at the end of the movie who was the bad guy? Right? And in here, that's the revelation of the mystery. The devil is the bad guy. He was controlling everything, but Jesus Christ came and stomping in the head. Victory for those that are in Christ Jesus. That was kept secret for long ages. Can you imagine being a prophet and seeing all of these visions of... of what? The, the, the Messiah? Oh, yes. What? A cross? Suffering? I don't understand God, but I will write it. And they died without sin, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. And that's what, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the wisdom, pure wisdom, amazing wisdom of God for you and for me, to the only wise God. This is what we have to think all the time. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The final application I want to make, I already mentioned something about this, but would you 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Even whenever we drink or eat or do anything else, do it what? He says, do it for the glory of God. And ultimately, that is what our lives should be about. For the glory of God. If you're not dead, you're not done. And your life should be for the glory of God all the time. You know what? I recognize that I have, sometimes my brain gets really tired thinking in English. And I, in, the, in the midst of this, I wanted to talk to you in Spanish because it would be easier, but you wouldn't understand me. <laughs> but you know what? I want to ask you, think right now, what is what you can do in everything you do? You want to go home? You're gonna, I don't know what you're going to do. If you're missing a show right now, I'm sorry. It's 7.15 already. But uh, do it. If he, if, he, if he glorifies God, then what? Say, do it. All right, let, let, let's do this one more time. If he glorifies God, then? All right. Can you talk to your neighbor? Look at your neighbor right there. See? And, and, and tell him, if he glorifies God, then? All right. This, this side to this side. Tell him. You tell him. If he glorifies God? Now, this side to this side. If he glorifies God, then? Do it. Let's glorify God in everything we think, say, do. I cannot control what other people do, but I can control what I can do. And I decide to glorify God in everything I am. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the letter to the Romans. Because this is your church right here. I want to ask you, Lord, that you will never, ever uh, let them feel that what they have believed is in vain. And that you will strengthen them, Lord, as they speak of the gospel and preach Jesus Christ to others. Father, I ask you that you will bless this church and it will, Lord, that you will make them a beacon of life and not only in this place, but southern Illinois and the whole nation. Lord, I know that they have done so many things, but there are so many things to be done as well. And I ask you, Lord, that in the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of your word, and Lord, that you will, you will touch hearts and you will poke our hearts, Lord, and call our attention. And it will, we will, um, if it glorifies you, we will do it. From serving a kid to a homeless person or to going to the jail or the anywhere, Lord, whatever we do, Lord, let us do it for your glory. And that is all that we have to be all about. I bless this church, Father. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for this congregation, Lord. And I, I, Lord, I, I love them, but you love them so much more. And I thank you for that as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.